Welcome to another episode of Mama Earth Talk. I'm your host, Maris Canal. Realizing just how much waste we generate on a daily basis, I've set a personal goal not only to reduce, reuse, and recycle, but to also educate the world about sustainability and how each of us can help preserve our beautiful planet. Thanks for listening. Let's dig in. Hello, hello, crazy birds. I hope you guys are doing super well today. I have a really interesting guest today, and I am super fascinated about this one because it is something that I have been trying to do. Well, not so much with worms, but I've been trying to do my own composting and have been wanting to experiment with vermicomposting, also known as like worm composting, and just have not had like kind of that confidence to actually go ahead and do it because you watch like YouTube videos and see how some people do it. But it's not really until you actually speak to someone like our guest that I spoke to today that you kind of feel like, okay, cool, you know, now I can dig in and actually do this because I might have a slight idea how to do it. So therefore today, I want to introduce you to someone who is very well known in like the vermicomposting world. She is like a health and wellness advocate. She's the founder of Kathy's Corolli Composters, and they were established in 2002. I'm going to say that again. They were established in 2002, guys. That's how long Kathy has actually been doing composting and vermicomposting and working with all these worms. She's also the founder of Kathy Sprouters and Kathy's Laughter Club. She is a multi-award winning environmental innovator who uses workshops and inspirational speaking to motivate people to live a more sustainable life. She is also a certified laughter yoga teacher. Yes, that's a real thing, laughter yoga. We dig deep into this in, in the podcast. And her working title is actually Kathy Crawley Laughing Bean Queen. Now, during this episode, we talked about how to set up our own vermicomposting what to do to kind of avoid to actually put in your composting. There's some foods that, you know, is not so great. So we rather want to skip them. Do not add them. As well as, you know, some of the pros from what benefits and things we can actually have by doing vermicomposting. And we took a little bit of a dive into how a daily dose of laughter could be beneficial to your health. Crazy birds, without any further ado, I would like to welcome Kathy Nesbitt. Thank you so much, Mariska. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, I'm, I'm super excited because what you are doing, it's really, really interesting. It's something that I've been fascinated, like kind of for some time, but 
too scared to actually take the plunge and, you know, mm. dig in to that. So <laughs> hopefully after today, I will have a little bit more confidence and know a little bit more of the steps to actually do that. But your sustainable journey and like, guys, if you do not know who Kathy is, obviously from the intro, you might have gotten a little bit of like knowledge who you are. But you are such an icon when it comes to like vermicomposting and composting and just like, you know, doing the amazing work that you are doing. But like, how did your sustainable journey actually start? Yes, I sort of stumbled upon it, I think. I'm located in Canada, just north of Toronto. And in 2002, our landfill filled up. I mean, my journey started before this, but that was the impetus for starting my business, that our landfill closed and Canada's second largest country in the world. Number two, like big, big country. (laughs) And although we're a big country, we couldn't find a new place to site a landfill, right? Nobody wants that in their backyard. Nobody. (laughs) So although we, you know, again, large country, we couldn't find a place to site a new landfill. And we started to export our garbage to the United States. And at the beginning, it was a thousand trucks a week, like 200 a day, 18 wheelers, you know, a lot of garbage, 6 million people in the greater Toronto area and half living condos, right? They're all in these multiplexes um, without space to do outdoor composting. And even everyone in a house doesn't compost. I get it. (laughs) But I was like, oh, my gosh, I have a solution. So I also don't have entrepreneurs in my background. So any crazy birds listening and you're thinking, oh, I don't I don't know what to do as a business. I didn't either. (laughs) Just jump in. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. (laughs) Just start. (laughs) You know, how did my sustainability journey start? I'm an avid gardener and composter. So when I see food waste going to waste, (laughs) like literally being thrown in the garbage, it kind of makes me sick. (laughs) I get that visceral feeling. And I was like, I've got a solution. That's was kind of the beginning of my business. Cause I was like, I have a solution. We're exporting our garbage. Everybody's going to buy in because we need it. And then uh, again, anyone listening that wants to start a business, start a business that people want, not what they need (laughs) or spin it. Or spin it so that they can, so that they, they're like, oh, I need that. Or I want that. I love that. And I mean, it's so strange how you say, you know, you guys exported to the US, but then the US exported again to, you know, other places. So yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting like exporting like type of thing. And I mean, it's so, so crucial to just minimize that amount of waste and, you know, the amount of food waste that we actually throw away and rewind a couple of years ago. And that Mariska would probably be like, Whoa, okay, I still throw my food, you know, away in the bin. But like now, once you know to compost and how to compost and like I don't compost myself because our household has like really minimized our stuff. So when it comes to food waste, we probably have around, I would say about 500 milliliters. I don't know what that is an ounce, but it's like two cups probably of food waste. And that's more like peels and stuff that I'm not going to use in the vegetable stock that I freeze and about two cups every other week of ground coffee that I kind of keep separate because that's how my local community garden would like to accept it. And then I just go and drop it off and they do the hard work. They make compost and they use their beautiful compost as well. So, but I mean, 
I did not know about any of this. And you started an amazing company back when people didn't even know about what is being sustainable actually is. And I have to say, I really love your company's name. So it's called Kathy's Crawley Composters. Can you tell us more about that? Like, what exactly do you guys do? Thank you. Yes. I, I, actually, I'd just like to touch on something you mentioned. If people don't want to compost or worm compost, the more you put in when you compost, the more you get out. So if you want to collect your scraps as you did, you know, your coffee grounds and whatever, there's always community gardens that would be happy to accept it or somebody that does compost. So just to, you know, do some, some, uh, Looking around, if you don't have space or don't want to, there's always options. Um, we need to make a friend with a gardener, right? Because it's really important that we keep those scraps out of the landfill. Okay, so Kathy's Crawley Composters is indoor composting with worms. Yes, you can compost outside with worms too. My objective is for the condo owners, townhouses, anywhere that you don't have space to do outdoor composting, this is ideal solution. Any container will do. So there's thousands of types of worms, only four that have been identified as optimum for vermicomposting. And we're looking for surface dwellers. So the red wigglers are the optimum because they eat half their weight per day in food scraps. They turn garbage into black gold for so we can grow more nutrient-rich food. So, you know, I started my business because our landfill closed and we started ex exporting garbage. So my whole objective was waste management. Very quickly into my business, I realized gardeners love the black gold. Compost is great. Worm compost is greater. It's a little bit more refined by nature, making the nutrients more available to the plant roots. Yeah, so I was like, wow. The waste management, although it's huge, it's a huge piece, the real benefit for doing vermicomposting is the, the product that the worms produce, the worm poo a.k.a. castings. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. So vermicomposting is, I mean, a lot of people just call like worm, worm compost or I've got like a like little worm, worm set up. So that's basically, guys, that's what we're talking about here. It's the compost with the worms. <laughs> that's vermicomposting. So you say that you, you've done it kind of for like indoor settings and things. So what would you kind of say is like a good environment because these worms are obviously living things that just like us can't survive in like minus how many ever degrees or in how like, you know, if it's above like 50 or 60 degrees Celsius, you know, you probably going to feel a bit hot. So is there a specific like good environment that we need to kind of create for our vermicomposting? Yes. So there are three key elements to successful vermicomposting, temperature, moisture, airflow. So temperature, room temperature, right? It's indoor. So if we're comfortable, the worms will be comfortable. The re temperature range is 16 to 28 Celsius. Better too hot than too cool, but you don't want it too hot because then they'll just cook like we do. Like if we're like, ah, it's too hot, they'll be too hot too. And they can't freeze. If they freeze, then they don't survive, but their eggs will overwinter if, if you happen to have them outside. Moisture, about 75% humidity in your bedding. And then airflow, whatever container you use, you need to have air holes. So the environment that you're creating, just like outdoor composting, 
The worms require a carbon-nitrogen mix. The carbon that we use for indoor is shredded paper. It could be leaves, straw, cardboard, drink trays, you know, from the coffee shop, the paper ones, paper um, egg cartons, toilet paper rolls, paper towel rolls, all of these materials. What You know, all your kind of paper products can go in. Then you need a little bit of soil. The worms are really the soil makers, but they don't have teeth. So there's little microorganisms in the soil that help the food, the worms break down the food. A little bit of eggshells. And you're adding the eggshells to help balance the pH in the bedding. You know, most of the scraps that we're adding in, coffee grounds, whatever, are acidic. So the, the eggshells will help to balance the pH, make it more alkaline. Oh, wow. Just to go back, like kind of to that moisture, like temperate, like you said, it's about 75%. So is there a specific like moisture meter? How would I know what's 75%? And same with when I, when I talk about how much the worms can eat, nobody's weighing their food. Nobody's measuring. It's really visual. So when you set up your bedding, you have your paper, soil, eggshells, water, those, that's your base. You mix it all up. Before adding your worms, you do a squeeze test of the bedding. A few drops should come out. If it's too wet, add a bit more dry bedding. If it's too dry, it doesn't feel wet, moist enough, just add more water. If if somebody's doing it in a, say, a Rubbermaid or like just any container, a single unit, they want to be careful not to make it too wet because the worms aren't fish, they can't swim, (laughs) right? And if it gets too wet, the oxygen may may be squished out. This is aerobic process, meaning with oxygen. So it should never smell like rotting food or it doesn't have a bad odor. You know, some people are very sensitive to um, smells. So anyone that's sensitive, I would say it smells like maybe the forest floor after a rain, like kind of just that, that natural smell, but it's not emanating from the thing. It's only when you open it <laughs> that you would be like, oh. And that's normally a lovely smell. Like, you know, if it rains outside, I'm always the one like going like, no, this is like fresh, you know, breathe in that air. So yeah, just absolutely love that. So that is what it's supposed to smell like. But what if it does not? Because I've, I've had, you know, some Bukashi bins and things when you open it and you're like, you know, (laughs) no, I don't know if I'm going to survive this, Phil. (laughs) Okay, thank you for mentioning Bokashi. Perfect. So Bokashi is an anaerobic process, right? You put the lid on, you squish out the oxygen, and there's enzymes that help to break down the food. And it's not good or bad, like, oh, if it smells, it's bad. No, it's nature. It's not good or bad. It's just different organisms working. So when it smells, the organisms that are breaking that down do not require oxygen. They're the smelly buggers. So yes, Bokashi is a great example because that is, it is a smelly system. Well, it's, but it works very fast. So the worms require oxygen as well. They breathe through their skin. I believe this, it's got a built-in mechanism. It's fantastic because if it smells, that oxygen is now being converted into methane. It's now gas. We can't breathe gas, so bad for us. The worms can't breathe gas, so bad for them. So action is required. If you open up your bin, it's like, ooh, it smells in here. Okay, action is required or you'll you'll lose your worms. So then what type of action, if there is like this type of smell, do we need to add anything? Do we need to 
get Kathy on the phone and say, hey, SOS, the worms need you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I do. I do really want people to be successful at this. So I answer emails, phone. I mean, I don't know that someone's going to call me from Australia, but <laughs> but they could. <laughs> Operator standing by. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... A few things. Uh, it may be too wet. So again, the oxygen has been squished out. Maybe too much food. So you could remove some of the rotting food if there's too much in there. You can add some dry bedding to help sop up some of the excess moisture. And then also just kind of fluff it up, you know, to add some airflow in there. If anyone has ever composted outside and your composter outside gets smelly, it's a really quick fix is to give it a quick turn. Like either... You know, it's it's really heavy sometimes to turn it and awkward. So if people just get like a broom handle or a rake handle, something that size and poke it down in a few spots and give it a quick turn to add some air in there, the smell goes away in minutes. It's amazing. Because you do get those massive, it almost looked like a corkscrew. I'm not sure, you know, if you're going to get that size wine bottles though, <laughs> but it, it kind of looks like that and you can just like, mix it with that that also I find you know works well that's what they do at the community gardens so there's all of these little tips we should definitely not give up when we do the first try and it's a little bit of a mess we can always adjust and you know try again there's always a learning curve whenever we're trying doing something new yeah, I would say if, if it doesn't work out the first time, try again. It, it does work. It's just creating the right environment. So what the worms can eat, it's kind of all your fruit and veg, coffee, tea, cooked pasta and rice, beans, plant clippings, cereal. I mean, it's kind of endless what can go in. So here's what stays out. It's a much shorter list. No meat, no dairy, no sauce, like no garbage, no oily stuff. And of the, of the fruit and vegetable, I saw that you had that question there about limes and lemons. Yes. Leave citrus out, orange, grapefruit, lemon, lime, leave them all out. And the reason is I knew all along to leave them out. I really just understood very recently because we make chemical cleaners are made out of orange essence. Because orange, right, orange rind has antibacterial, antimicrobial, antifungal, anti, 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 and we want pro. (laughs) (laughs) So use your citrus for the cleaning products and not for the worms. (laughs) Right. So, and I would, I would say even to leave those materials out of your outside composter, because, right, because you're still destroying the, the microbial life in your composter. So if you've got a collection program, like now in many parts of Canada, I know lots of places in the world have where they're collecting the organic waste and then composting it in, you know, in a large facility. Okay. Well, that sounds great. And something that for me is very interesting when it comes to like worms, I wouldn't say I am the fondest person when it comes to worms because a lot of the worms that I deal with only eat my kale and spinach and not a big fan of those worms (laughs) but were you always kind of into worms or you know when you started out was there a point when you were like touching these worms and like not so sure about these little guys yeah let me go back to actually 
mother, you know, when I bought my house 93, I moved out of Toronto, I'm from Toronto, up to a small town, and I couldn't wait to start gardening and composting. And a teacher friend asked me to look after her worm bin for the summer, 93. And I was like, ugh, I was, a, I was afraid of worms. Like, not, not that they would harm me, just that they were gross. Like, ooh, I don't want them in my house. So anyone listening... That would, that's my story. And I think that happened. Okay. So I, so I took on the challenge because I believe that we should try things for ourselves. Don't let someone like, Oh, you won't like that. Oh, good. Thanks for saving me the time. <laughs> and I didn't like it by the way. So that's why I say we need to try things at least twice. So that summer I, I had the worm been in my basement. I didn't want the worms in my house but I was doing my friend a favor and I wanted the black gold. Okay. So I would open up the lid, throw the food in, close the lid and be like, Oh, gross. <laughs> I happen, happened to be a fruit fly farmer that summer because I wasn't managing my bin. And I was like, this whole thing is really awful. It's gross, but I kept the worms alive at the end of the summer time to get my compost. I put on big gloves. I didn't want to touch the worms. I didn't, it, the whole thing was really a bit of a nightmare. <laughs> so fast forward, gosh. So I did get the worms out and everything kept them alive. I was getting my psychology degree. I went to only to night school. I didn't care about getting the degree. I just wanted to meet people and learn. I'm a lifelong learner. So I graduated 2000. I got a job at a group home working with challenged adults. They had 10 homes and a farm and they didn't compost. And I was like, oh, oh. Right, right. Seeing food waste everywhere. I was like, wow, if they had a farm, <laughs> you know, they had a vocational program where people would come Monday to Friday to do work. They had a greenhouse. OK, so I was like, I said to management, why don't, why don't you compost? And they said, well, we, we don't need the fertilizer because we have cows. Okay, right. So they had manure for their gardens. And I was like, wow, people don't connect what they're doing. Like they're producing all of this food waste, 10 homes, right? I think there was 80, 80 clients, I don't know, or like a lot of staff, a lot of food waste. So then, you know, I said, well, if you don't need the fertilizer, you could always sell it <laughs> or just throw it on the grass. Like it's not, it's not toxic. You're and you're saving money, right? If you if you produce a lot of food waste, like uh, an institution, restaurants, the cruises, <laughs> right? Universities, all these places produce a lot of food waste and you pay a lot to get rid of it. Imagine the experience people would have at a grocery store if they didn't get rid of their garbage, their organic waste every day, right? There would be mice running around and fruit flies and it would be a horrible shopping experience and nobody would go to that store again. So we pay a lot to get rid of it. It's a premium price because, oh, you got to come today. It's rotting. It's starting to smell, right? It was yesterday's dinner, but it's the devil today. <laughs> so when I said, you know, why don't you do composting? The greenhouse manager said, hey, what about worm composting? Oh, my gosh. Have you ever done something and you're like, oh, this is so exciting. You get all excited about it. And then it doesn't work out. And you're like, oh, boo. <laughs> And, you're, and you declare, I'm never doing this again. That's what I did in 93. I said, okay, I'm never doing this. If I want to buy, like if I want worm poo, I'll just buy it. Now, now here's a question for the listeners. If you don't know a worm farmer or if you've never seen a worm farm, what are you buying if you're buying worm compost? 
I know our, our local community garden sells, like they say worm castings, but I'm not sure what that is. What, what are they selling me? <laughs> right. I don't, I don't know. Like it's possible because there are people that have worms, but I'm just, you know, like people tell me, oh, I bought it at Home Depot or whatever. It's like you bought worm compost at a hardware store. <laughs> like they don't have worms there. So I, anyway, that I just want to let people know, like, just be aware so <laughs> I thought I could just buy it. And then, so when the greenhouse manager said that, I was like, ah, oh, no, that feeling. But I thought, oh, it's an institution. They're not getting worms tomorrow. So I went and did research. That's when I, you asked when my journey started. I would say it started when I realized the value of these beautiful worms. Here's some wonderful things. The red wigglers eat half their weight per day in food scraps. They turn garbage into gold. They have five hearts each. They live up to 10 years. They just, when I learned that, I said, wow. And a pound of worms and their descendants can transform a ton of organic waste in a year. And the average Canadian family, I would say probably the average American, Australian, whatever family, produces a ton of organic waste in a year. So I said, wow, every family needs a pound of worms. And I'm just the one to put a pound of worms in every house. (laughs) So I would have a booth. Wherever, you know, farmers markets or trade shows, green shows, any kind of expo that I could have a table, I was there. And, you know, I had company shirts and I had my my stuff. And I learned early on that, again, people don't buy what they need. They buy what they want. But people people have been traumatized by worms as children. After a rain or in the schoolyard, a sibling, maybe a fishing mishap where they get traumatized and something happens with worms. And when we're traumatized by something, anything, we're not looking to that for a, as a solution, right? So although I've had lots of exposure, lots of media stories, you know, radio, TVO, TVO, TV, radio, <laughs> just put it all together, combine it, <laughs> save some time. <laughs> then you're not looking to that for a solution. You're not even reading that article. You're like, oh, worms, nope. <laughs> exactly. Oh, wow. So Kathy, like if there is still some of our listeners that's still like, oh, I, okay, there's been really amazing pros that you've just mentioned what these worms are, but you know, I'm still kind of on the fence. I'm not too sure. I'm not the biggest fan of worms. Like, is there anything else that you can kind of say to them to inspire them to maybe, maybe just maybe start vermicomposting? On the heels of COP26, climate, we, we know this climate crisis is real and we need to take action. Otherwise, I mean, for older folks, you know, their time is limited here. Maybe it'll be fine for them. But for the younger folks coming up, there's a lot of misery coming up because we're having all these wildfires and extreme weather. And so managing food waste is one of the number one things that we can all do we all eat so we all produce food waste a little bit anyway and if you're not going to do it yourself you can always collect your scraps and you know just keep them out of landfill so we're not trucking them around so I would say do it for your children or your grandchildren if if you're afraid just have them do it you know I I do a lot of school workshops because I realized (laughs) people didn't buy what they need they buy what they want (laughs) And they were afraid. So I was like, oh, how am I going to do this? 
uh, how am I going to put worms in every living space, which is my mission, every house, every classroom, not just one bin in a school as a token lesson, every classroom, everywhere, every community center, every business, like a worm bin everywhere. So then we're eating our apple. Then we're like, oh, where does my core go here? Let me just put it in the worm bin. We just know. I've had teachers say to me, oh, I would love to do this. I think it would be wonderful for my students, but I'm afraid of worms. What do I do? And I said, you bring a worm bin into your classroom and you let the children know how ridiculous your fear of worms is and you have them manage the worm bin. Like, because it's ridiculous and anyone fear itself is just the unknown. When we're afraid, we just don't know. And I say to the students when I do uh, workshops, like if you're afraid of the dark, when the lights go out, you're afraid because you don't know what's going to happen when it's dark. Same with the worms, people that are afraid of worms. It's just that they don't know, are they going to get out of the bin? Are they going to eat my children? Are they going to be all over my house? You know, all of these, all of these questions. So that's what, that's what I say to them. Then they laugh. And, and I do help people, you know, overcome their worm, uh, their fear. When I'm at shows and people are like, oh, I'm, 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 uh, no, I could never do this. And I say, you know, I ask them because because I'm a psych degree and I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by people. I'll say to them, do you, would you like to get over your fear? Because I can help you. Because when we're afraid of something, when we've been traumatized, we carry that with us. It go, Like whenever we go <gasps> and, and have something traumatic, if we don't go and, and deal with that right at that moment, like animals in the wild will go and shake. And I'll use a rabbit, like if a rabbit is chased and it ends up surviving, it goes under a tree or somewhere and it shakes that trauma out. And then it gets on with its day. It's like, oh, trauma gone. I'm still alive. Yahoo. We don't do that. We're like, oh, let me hold on to this I'm trauma. Then the next one comes on. And then whoop, that other one's buried now, 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 and down it goes. So I don't know why I said all that, but there you go. Go shake. (laughs) Awesome. So guys, you can start with your own thing. And once you get that little bit of a fear, shake it off and try again. (laughs) Kathy, we've been talking about the worm poop or, you know, some people call it worm tea or like the black gold or like, I don't know how many ever, ever names there is for that. What do you actually call what you get from those worms? Like, what is it called? And what do you do with it? The cast. Castings. And the liquid is uh, the the worm tea. It is the compost tea. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Leachate or something. Leachate is is not compost tea. Like leachate is kind of the garbage juice. Oh, okay, okay. Right, that may be anaerobic. It could like so. What I say to people: if there's liquid coming out of their system, if it smells bad, it's become anaerobic. Just discard that. Plants always require aerobic bacteria, so we don't want to put those anaerobes in there. And the compost, how you use the compost, if you have existing plants, you just um, gently work the castings around the stem and work it into the soil. As you water, the nutrients will be released. If you're starting, if you're planting a new garden, you dig your hole, line the hole, the castings, and then put your little seedling in. The nutrients, again, are available to be taken up. You can make your own compost tea. The castings are water-soluble. Take some of the castings, stir it into your watering jug, and then you have liquid fertilizer. You can't store that liquid because it's aerobic. As soon as you put it in an airtight container, the bacteria will eat the oxygen and then it will become smelly liquid. 
Ah, okay. So use it immediately. And like those castings and the the worm tea, like I'm just trying to have this like mental image in my head. I'm I'm seeing this like, you know, vermicomposting little setup. Where is the castings? Where am I going to get the castings? If you're doing your own system, like a, just a container, you would need to manually harvest. This is the part that may be object, objectionable to the listeners. Stay, stay tuned. <laughs> I have a solution. <laughs> you dump the whole thing out and, and the kids love this part. Put it in small round piles. The worms are photosensitive or afraid of the light. They go down into the piles, scoop off the top, scoop around the sides. It takes about an hour. The worms are just going away from the light. So that's why you don't just dump the whole thing out. It would take hours to pick, you know, because they're just going down a little bit. That's why I put it in small piles, let it sit for a few minutes. And then when you come back, the worms are mostly at the bottom of the pile. Set up your new bin, add the worms back in and use the black gold for your plants. Now, there are lots of systems. The original one is from Australia called Can of Worms. <laughs> clever. <laughs> it's very clever. I actually have one. I did get a composter from Australia. That's true. There's a beautiful system in from New Zealand called Hungry Bin. And that's more, it's a modular system that you can add on. So for industrial settings, like for a small setting, you could just have one unit and then you can easily add on. And I haven't actually seen the Hungry Bin system like in person, but it, it looks like a great system. I happen to have one that is called the Living Composter. Like there's lots around the world. There's lots of them now. And so how does the tower composters work, except the hungry bin is a different way. So with the one I have, it's called the living composter. It's a functional piece of furniture. Is that like that lime green one, I think, that I've seen? Yeah, so it's a stool, like a chair. It comes with two trays, holes in the bottom of each tray. So when you're, you're just feeding one tray at a time, and it's on the top, so you don't have to move it each time. And then when the tray fills up about a month and a half to two months, you would take the bottom tray, the empty tray, put it on top, set up your new bedding, and the worms will migrate up. They're going to follow the food. It's not right away. It's not overnight. So it's going to take another you know, couple of weeks. And then so you'll have two operating trays. And then eventually the worms will have left the bottom tray and you'll be left with your black gold. That's the benefit of having a system. So like with that system, would I be able to do that to like kind of in our house, you know, only having about two cups of food waste, like, well, with the coffee, it's probably about four cups every two weeks. Would that be manageable or is it too little? You want to be careful adding too much coffee grounds. You start at the beginning with coffee grounds because it's a beautiful thing. It doesn't attract fruit flies or it doesn't need to be chopped or anything. It's kind of accessible nitrogen for the worms. The amount of worms you have will determine how much food you can put in. So I'll use a, I'll use a pound of worms as an easy math. If you had a pound of worms, you'd be looking at three to four pounds of food waste per week. So you, for your purpose, you may want to start with half a pound of worms. And then you're, you're feeding a pound and a half to two pounds per week. Okay. Well, I might just start trying that. Since you've started on this, what was like one of the most rewarding things like for you about vermicomposting? Oh, gosh. I, I guess I would say keeping that food waste out of the landfill. So managing my food waste, making this black gold. You know, people will ask me if I'm a gardener and I say, I'm not a gardener. I'm a soil maker. When we look after the soil, the soil looks after the plants, nothing for us to do. 
It starts with the soil. It starts with the soil. You know, there's a lot of companies out there promoting different fertilizers that are chemically chemical based fertilizers. And I don't know why you would want to put chemicals on your food. Sure, the plant will grow and then you'll have big blooms and everything because the chemical engineers, that's their job. They would be out of work if, if, that, if their product didn't work. But, you know, they don't necessarily have the planet in mind when they're creating those products. It's just to sell more product. Exactly. I mean, there's a really great documentary that you guys can actually go listen to. I think it's called Soil. It was featured on Netflix a couple of months ago. It's really, really phenomenal. And, you know, in there, it basically says that I think it was about 60, don't quote me on this, but about 60 seasons we've got left of farming the way that we're farming because, you know, the topsoil is being totally removed and, you know, we're not putting stuff back. We are just taking, 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 and it is going to bite us in the ass. We need to be careful. I love soil makers. We need to have definitely more soil makers out there. <laughs> we do. Yeah, it's it's so important. I think, you know, we know a lot about the stars and the ocean, probably not as much as we need to know, but we know more about those two environments than we do about the soil. And the soil is where our food comes from. And food is our fuel. You know, during this cuckoo time, 2020 was our best year. It's the 20th anniversary this year of my business. And 2020 happened to be my best year ever for worms. And I was trying to figure out what was happening. Well, in March, of course, our, everything closed. March 2020, everything closed. Our schools closed. And they closed for the rest of the year. They didn't even go back in. They were online. So everybody was working from home. And people were, were calling me up. Oh, or, you know, the kids are at home. We need a project. How do I, what do I care how the worms get in the house? <laughs> we'll have a little project for the kids. So, okay, good, good. And then as we got longer and longer locked in, you know, in Canada, we import 60% of our food, six zero. Wow, that's massive, right? Because we have long winters. We can't, we don't have a, a long growing season. When our border closes, it's a big problem, right? Our, it's, it's a problem, <laughs> So as we were locked down longer, I, th I really believe people started thinking about, oh, my gosh, what about our food? Oh, like there were so many things to think about. So much fear. <laughs> Get out of fear, everyone, because we can't function when we're afraid. Anyway, so people were like, oh, maybe we should have a garden. What do we need? Oh, we need soil. Oh, what do we need? We need to compost. Right. And so, yeah, it's just fascinating. And I and I think. I feel incredibly hopeful because, you know, we can't have solution without problem. Luckily, we have all these problems. So for the innovators out there, there's lots of ways to, to help the world. You know, like you can't have a basket of solution like, oh, I'm waiting for problems to come along because I have this great solution. Right. So, so I'm meeting so many amazing young people who have arrived at this time to help us. And they're here. They want to get back into farming. They want to grow food. They want to be involved. They want to make a difference. And I mean, over the last couple of, couple of years, when COVID kind of started, that's when I started growing tomatoes. <laughs> Still unsuccessfully. I was very successful in Queensland where basically anything can grow. Here in Perth, not the case. But, you know, when I started actually going to look for like different seeds and, you know, I wanted to get like organic seeds and heirloom seeds and all of these seeds and all of the places were sold out because 
everyone was buying seeds and everyone wanted to grow their own food. And I just found that that was so phenomenal because, you know, now people are actually seeing how much work it takes to grow that tomato, you know, how much effort it is. And then, you know, you kind of think twice about actually wasting food because you know how much work it takes to grow that item. Great point. Oh, that's awesome. That's the truth. When you grow something, it's so exciting. Like gardeners are the hope, they're a hopeful lot, right? You plant a seed, you don't, you don't get anything. Maybe it could be two or three months, depending on what you're growing and you have to tend to it. You have to water it, you know, you have to weed it. Um, So you're not wasting it. I love that. That's perfect. And I mean, you do a lot of work with kids. So we've kind of talked about some of the stuff that you do, but on your website, you also have like, you know, Kathy's Kids Corner and you do quite a, quite a few things with that. Can you tell us a little bit more about the education side for kids that you do? Yeah. So, you know, when I started, I realized people (laughs) weren't wanting what I had (laughs) and they were afraid. So I said, wow, how am I going to do this? So I started to take on school workshops Over 75,000 students have seen my presentation. Oh, it fires me up. I just love it. And when I started, I was like, now I just have to wait 20 years for them to have buying power. Oh, no, they already have plenty of buying power power with mom and dad. (laughs) And, And, you know, it's so inspiring to me. It really makes me feel like I'm I'm really on purpose when I meet people who I came into their class. Like I still do a lot of exhibiting. And so I'm at a show and somebody will come up to me and say, you came into my grade three class. And because of you, I went to university and studied environmental studies because of you, like because of me. I'm just like, oh, wow. You know, I love to say this because we have no idea the impact that we have on people, good or bad. Like sometimes we can be in a bad way ourselves, and then we see something, we might say something to somebody or look at them a funny way. It has an effect. It really affects people how we are. Like we know when somebody looks at us funny, like, oh, what did I do? Or depending how sensitive you are, I'm super sensitive. So I'm aware of all these things. (laughs) Having that that feedback for and more than once have I met people that I inspired to take environmental studies or be an activist or join a food co-op or do something because of of having worms or learning about worms. It's just, so, so I would say to people, just be nice. Like, you know, do unto others that silly saying, it's not just a saying it's, it's the truth. And I think this cuckoo time has made us um, a little bit more intolerant. Definitely. Definitely. I think, you know, that's, that's so true. And you've been in this industry now for like, you know, you've just mentioned it's your 20th year. So big congratulations on that. Do you feel like the perception of people have shifted, you know, over the last 20 years, like, you know, going back to that first time, that first exhibition that you were doing and talking about worms versus, you know, the last one that you've done? Do you think there has been a shift? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my gosh, for sure. 20 years uh, before COVID, I was exhibiting, oh, Oh gosh, maybe doing about 200 events a year. I was, I was, I was out there a lot. COVID made me realize, oh, maybe I don't want to do that still. (laughs) There's younger people coming up to do that. (laughs) 
And I would never meet anybody else, any other worm people. And people would say to me, oh, I've never met anyone doing a worm, you know, a worm farmer before. And when was it? About a month ago, I did a CD Saturday event, which is all about heirloom, heritage, seeds. It's a Canadian initiative. And it's a beautiful thing about seeds and gardening. And there was happened to be in this town, like it was another town, two worm composting people came up like that had businesses in that town. They didn't know of each other. I didn't know of them. They both knew of me and came because I was speaking there. So I was just like, wow. So one is doing school workshops and the other one is looking to do large scale, like being a supplier. And I was like, and they were much younger than me. So I said, wow, that's, that's really good. I've been asking for more people. We need more people to do this. The challenge is worms are not sexy yet. So we need to make them sexy. (laughs) We need to make them, you know, like something, you know, my brother-in-law had an organic coffee company (laughs) and I would say, Hey Dave, you want to come? I'm doing this event. And he's like, or networking and stuff. He didn't have to do any of that (laughs) because he had people who were addicted to his product. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, they product can go in your product. So, you know, you got the crowd halfway. You are also a laughter yoga teacher. Now, first of all, what is laughter yoga? Wonderful. Yay. Thank you. So laughter yoga is not about fancy pants or poses. It's not doing yoga and laughing. It really kind of has nothing to do with yoga except for the deep diaphragmatic breathing and the practice of of it. So laughter yoga is laughing for the health of it. Laughing just because but really with intention, like just, I have rock hard abs. I am super healthy because of laughter. I've been laughing for 12 years. I got introduced in 2012 and it was started in 1995 by a medical doctor in India, Dr. Madan Kateria. And his goal is world peace. Yay. Don't you want to be on that bandwagon? How I wonderful. I know. I know. Oh, awesome. Laughter clubs around the world. How important would you say is having that dose of our daily laughter every single day? Every day, every day. So, wow, it's it's fascinating. The journey that I've been on, Mariska, is so much fun. I and I and I want this feeling for other people that are listening. That's why I do all this talking because I want people to have the life that I'm having. I feel like I'm on a magic carpet ride. Not always, but now laughter is the gift that really keeps on giving. It's helped me. So 2012, I was at an event and one more person said to me, ew, worms in the house. And I know I'd heard that hundreds, maybe thousands of times the 10 years previous, but it didn't affect me. I was like, nope, I'm, I'm on purpose. It's fine. It's all good. Or I didn't even, maybe I didn't even hear them. I was just like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) In 2012, it hit my heart and I was just like, oh my gosh, this is really hard. Why do I care so much? And I started questioning like why I was doing what I was doing. I I really didn't understand why I cared so much. And I was introduced to laughter yoga at a business meeting. The speaker did a five minute introduction and I was like, I don't even do yoga. I still don't do yoga (laughs) and nothing wrong with yoga. I'm sure it's a fine thing. (laughs) I was like laughter. I love laughing. And wow, what a cool idea. That same week, I was at a networking event, hundreds of people. The very first woman I met was a laughter yoga teacher. And I was like, what? Laughter yoga, it's mainstream. And 
well, it isn't, it still isn't 27 years later. I started to attend her club and then I loved that so much. I got trained as a leader. I love that so much. I got trained as a teacher. Now I teach leaders. And before COVID, I was going into long-term care, working with special needs, getting paid gigs all over cancer patients, um, hospice. It's needed everywhere. And so everyone's heard laughter's the best medicine. It's the truth. And I say, have you had your daily dose? So here we go. Dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. The love drugs versus cortisol. When we're stressed, we're secreting cortisol, which we need a bit to get off our butts, but we're in stress a lot, especially during this unknown time. We don't know what's happening. You know, war and and pandemic and jobs and inflation, all of these things are causing a lot of stress. When we're in stress, and I, you know, I really believe that I was put on earth to put worms in every living space, to really be the talking worm head. (laughs) And, but then I realized, especially now, when we're so afraid, if you're having a mental crisis, you don't care about anything else. You can't. You can't worry about your neighbor. I wonder if my neighbor's okay. You're not okay. So you're not going to inquire about the neighbor because you're sad, depressed, anxious. It's that oxygen mask, you know, take care of yourself first before you put it on someone else. Absolutely. So I realized, wow, laughter helped me to stay in my worm business because I laughed. I became more resilient And the more I'm in this, I keep doing laughter training to increase because he's a medical doctor. Now he's bringing the, like there's tons of science around the world about how laughter versus laughter um, exercises versus crunches. How do you like that? You know, 10 to 15 minutes of sustained belly laughter is equivalent to a lot of cardiovascular workouts. Exactly, exactly. Who wouldn't laugh rather than go and sit in a gym and train? That's fantastic. I absolutely love that. And I mean, the work that you're doing with that is really phenomenal. Thank you so much for that, Kathy. It's yeah, I I just love it. I would uh, encourage people not to dismiss the simplicity of it. All of the things that I offer this, I say I have simple solutions for today's challenges right? Worms for amending the soil. I have a sprout business, sprouts for eating, for your health and laughter, for your mental health, for your connection with people and just to feel good because when we feel good, we do good. And laughter on a regular basis, like getting your daily dose, laughing hard enough, not just at a comedy or going to a comedy club, but going to a laughter club so that you can laugh full on, get your laugh on, (laughs) connect with people Because what laughter does, it helps to build our emotional intelligence. We're hearing more and more about this, you know, before it was IQ. And IQ is fine, like having a high IQ is great. But if you have a high IQ and a low EI, emotional intelligence, then you're going to be one of those people that's super smart, but you get triggered really fast. And then you're like, then you're all fiery. You're all like angry and rah, right? And you just are, and you can't manage your emotions. So being able to manage your emotions is really important to succeed in today's world, right? Don't be triggered by everyone and then shouting at everything, which is the world we have right now, right? Everyone's, not everyone, like a lot of people are struggling because we've been isolated. So you've been left with the voice in your head, not your friend. 
never your friend, right? How often is that voice in your head saying, oh, what are you doing now? Oh, stop that. You're looking ridiculous. I don't remember last time, right? But stop it. How can I go forward if you keep on telling me to stop? <laughs> so I would just say, um, check out Laughter Yoga. There are clubs around the world and Laughter Yogis are primed for this time. We're ready to help people raise their vibration. Oh, I love that. That's amazing. Thank you so much. And Kathy, you've done quite a lot. Like, But what would you say has been one of your most important decisions that you have made around Mama Earth? Uh, I would say sticking with my worm business, starting Kathy's Crawley Composters without any entrepreneur background or any idea what to do. <laughs> Just jumping in. I'm an action girl. If you didn't notice, I, I take action. I don't think about things for too long. I believe that we, when we get inspired actions, we should, uh, inspired thoughts, we should take action either by writing it down. Otherwise it goes, disappears like the cloud. Yeah. So I, I think the that was the, the best thing that I did was start that business and stick with it, even during the challenging times when it was like, why am I doing this? I love that. And I mean, what a phenomenal job ha- um, you've done with that. So um, congrats on that. And now we are going to move into our final five. First one is what is one social media account or like publication, so like magazine, newspaper, anything that you actually follow? I'm following David Suzuki Foundation. Ooh, okay. That's a good one. I'll link him up in our show notes as well. And what is your hope for Mama Earth going forward? My hope is that people will really, that more people wake up and take action. Whatever it is, whatever it is, like just find something that really bugs you about garbage or water or whatever it is and go take action. And what advice can you give our crazy birds this week to go out and help Mama Earth? I would say come to my Tuesday laughter club. It's 9.30 a.m. Eastern, a little bit late in Australia maybe, but 30 minutes of super fun self-care so you can feel better so then you can go and do better. I love that. Well, we'll we'll try and get that link and link it up in the show notes. So if our crazy birds want to join it, show notes, link, it's there. And what is one sustainability fact that you like to use in a room with people that are not yet on a sustainable journey? There has been studies done about food waste and the average, again, Canadian family discards 25% of their food that they purchase. And for a visual, imagine bringing home four bags of groceries and just leaving one at the curb. And you've paid for that. You've paid for that. So it's like literally throwing money away as well. That's a great one. I love that, that it's so visual. And Kathy, where can people actually find you? So my worm website is kathyscomposters.com. Awesome. So and everything's there. We will link up to that. And I just want to take a moment just to tell our crazy birds as well. I've actually watched on your YouTube channel, your movie called, called Squirm, which was really, really cool movie. It's not that long. So you guys can sit, have a coffee, have a tea, whatever you want to drink. And just like kind of watch it because I felt like it's really kind of like a deep dive into visually seeing some of the worms and like, you know, where you guys went into some of the different locations to actually have the different setups and things. So I found it really interesting. It was such a great film that I just loved. So I wanted to share that with our crazy birds as well. Thank you. From 2008. 
Yeah. <laughs> Way back. But anyway, guys, it's going to be in the show notes for the links. So, Kathy, thank you so much for being such an amazing guest, full of laughter, full of love. You know, I've learned such a lot new stuff today. I'm definitely going to try and get my daily, my daily dose of laughter every single day. Um, thank you. Yeah, looking forward to actually, you know, seeing what is kind of coming next for you and following your journey as well. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And that's a wrap. Huge thank you for our amazing guest for being on the podcast and for sharing their journey with us. You can find the show notes of this episode on the MamaEarthTalk.com's website. The biggest thank you goes out to all of you crazy birds for listening to the podcast. If you have not already listened to all of the episodes, you can go back to a few of them. You will absolutely love them. I really enjoyed recording every single one of them and I really hope that you enjoy listening to them. There's over a hundred episodes, so if you feel a little bit lost on which one to listen to next... Maybe select one of the episodes with guests that you might want to know more of and start from there. If you enjoy the episodes, why not tell a friend about the podcast and maybe share an episode with them. Let them know that we are here and we are waiting for them with open arms and they are all very welcome to join the crazy birds globally. If you have a question for me, please send them over. The best way to get in contact with me would probably be a DM on Instagram. You can either send it to my personal, which is at Zero Waste Mariska, or the podcast, which is at Mama Earth Talk, or send me an email at hello at mamaearthtalk.com. If there's a particular guest or topic that you would like to hear on the podcast, let me know. I love to hear from all you crazy birds. New episodes are uploaded every second Monday. So make sure to subscribe that you do not miss a thing. Mama Earth has a voice and it's us crazy birds.